You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. If we just decided to move, if we just decided to, uh, to, to leave our comfort, to leave our safety, to leave uh, our schedule to, to move across the parking lot, to move uh, across the street, to, to, to take a few steps across the room, um, today I want to talk to you and we're going to talk over the next few weeks about, about that simple choice to move, to take the steps. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus calls the first disciples and he's walking along a shoreline and he says, come and follow me and I will make you into something that you are not already. Now, if, if you didn't know the story, if you didn't know what he said that, I would gonna, that I'm going to make you into, what might you think that Jesus would say? If Jesus were to say to you, come and follow me and I'm going to make you into, or I'm going to make you into somebody that, you know, you might come up with all kinds of things. Maybe God would want to follow him and he'll make me into a better person, a better, a better man, a better husband, a better wife. Uh, he'll make me a better friend. He'll make me more spiritual, more disciplined. He'll make me smarter. Some people think may follow me. He'll make me richer or he'll, he'll just make me better. But that's not what he said. He said something that didn't really make sense at the time that they didn't really quite get at the time either. But they eventually understood. And what he called them to do is what he has called you to do. It's what he's called me to do. It's his plan for all of us. And it may seem strange and it may not be what we expect when we give our life to Christ. But these are the words of Jesus. This is his plan. Mark chapter 1 verse 16 is where we're going to start. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew fishing with a net. For they were fishermen. Jesus called out to them, come and follow me and I will make you into fisher of men, fisher of men. Luke says, I will make you a person who fishes for people or who will catch people. What does that mean? It means to move. It means God has called us to, to, to leave our safety zone to to leave and step out of our ordinary into something extraordinary extraordinary when jesus says walk with me it takes action and then it says verse 18 and they left their nets at once and they went with him i want to talk to you four things about fishing today we're going to talk about fishing and how every one of us, yeah, anybody here like to fish? I know Jonathan does, a couple of the other guys. All right, see up there in the back, some of you guys like to fish? When I say guys, by the way, that's guys and gals. I'm from up north, so that means uh, totally both genders. Um, he has called us to fish. Let's establish a few things, four things about fishing. The first thing is this, followers, followers were all fish once. If you're in this room and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, not everybody in this room is, is following Jesus. I can't assume that. But if you're here and you're following Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, you need to remember that you were once a fish, that you were a fish, that you were someone that God called. Uh, the great fish story of your life, it begins with you. The, story, the fish story begins with you. You know, let's go ahead and bring that fish out. All right, now, I just want you to know, we had some serious problems today working on this illustration. Um, That is actually a remote control fish. It looks like he's missing his fins. He is. Are his side fins? Did you take his fins off? All right. They must. You want to hear a funny story about that fish? It was almost gone because uh, I worked on it last night. For a long time, and I got out of the car, and it came off the string, and it flew away. This morning, getting it, coming, getting, and uh, it was discovered in a field this morning. So uh, it was uh, in the field this morning, and so uh, I got, I, you know, I stepped out of my car, it flew up into the sky, and I'm like, 
Oh! And then I come in here and I start putting together. I have two more fish I put together. And I put together a shark. And it got let go before I could balance out the weight. And look up at the ceiling. There's a remote control shark on the ceiling. And uh, that one swims around too. This one's missing fins. It must have, uh, must have lost them in landing in flight over, uh, over, <laughs> over AMC. And it went over the top of the AMC. And I'm like, oh. All right. So I, I lost this one. And then I lost that one. And I thought, forget it. I'm not putting together the third one. I got a third one over here, a largemouth bass. We're going to talk about these in a minute. Because we are the fish. And we are the fish story. That's going to drop out of the way here in a minute. Oh, you want to knock it up some more? All right. You see, the fish story of your life began with you. Every great fish story begins with you. Your story. It's, it's how you met Jesus. It's how someone dropped the line for you. It's your life before Christ. And, and you need to realize that when we talk about fishing, we're, we're not, you can leave it in here, Sean. And you guys can all come out of the hallway and come sit down. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, let's bring it down here. We'll just sit it down here because I'm going to refer, refer to it in a little bit. All of us have a story that that how you met Jesus story. If you are a follower of Christ, if you're not today might be your story. Maybe your story's in a couple of weeks. That video showed a great story about how that guy just by moving across the parking lot and helping this guy, they, they became friends. Uh, he developed a relationship with Christ and how he uh, he got plugged into church, he went on mission work, and and how he uh, he met the love of his life, all because someone moved. You see, he remembered when he chose to move that he was a fish once too, and someone told you. And if you're going to be a good fisherman, you have to realize that you were once a fish yourself. Here's the second thing I want you to realize, and that is that. Followers fish. It's just that simple. Followers fish. To follow Jesus is to fish. If you have bowed the knee to Christ, you've been called to fish. They did not understand it at first, but Jesus set a precedent. He said, Simon Peter, he said, Andrew, he said, come and I will make you fisher of men. Luke says, come and follow me and you will catch people or you will fish for people. He says, if you will follow me, you will fish. It's just that simple. You are a follower. And if you are, you fish. What was he saying? Well, to follow is to fish. Let's look at this. Mark one nineteen. It says a little farther up the shore. Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James and John, in a boat mending their nets. It was a family business. And he called them to follow too. And immediately they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And they went with him. Immediately, God said, follow me. Jesus said, follow me. And immediately they, they left their family business. See you, pops. And they were gone. They soon realized that they were called to fish. Now, when they left, they didn't realize what that even meant. They didn't understand what that even meant. But by the end of their lives, they began to fish. By the end of their lives, uh, the world was never the same again. Uh, there was explosive growth despite ridicule, persecution, poverty, torture, and even death. Without TV, without radio, without blogs, without websites, without political positions and marches, without movies, without boycotts, without prayer in schools, and without the Ten Commandments on a courthouse somewhere, the world exploded with the understanding and the knowledge of Jesus Christ because the followers embraced the idea that they were called to fish. Oftentimes... We see that need and that desire, but we want something else or someone else or some program or some program on TV or some event or some somebody else. We want church to do what we've been called to do as individuals. Or we want the government to mandate what we should be doing as individuals. Within 30 years, this group of 12 guys grew to over 100,000 people. And within 200 years... It had grown to over 2 million followers. How? Very simple. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, using their personalities, their talents, and their treasures, they simply allow God to use them right where they were to be fish 
to be fisher of men, of people. And here we are 2,000 years later, worshiping the carpenter who, who is God because somebody fished, because they fished. Everyone who met Jesus, everyone who followed Jesus, let me put it that way, went fishing. Now, they weren't perfect at it. They weren't great at it. You know, you might read the Bible stories and the Gospels. Man, these guys were, were totally off base a lot of times. They, they, you know, Jesus would gather the children around, and, and there was a, where they chased the children away. And Jesus was like, come on, guys. That's my sermon illustration. You know, and, and there was a, you know, they, 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 they couldn't cast out demons. And he's like, guys, man, you just need to pray. You need to fast. He goes, you know, and, and they even would sit around and argue about who was the greatest. And Jesus is like, really? Come on. Who's the greatest? And, and another time they were, they were trying to figure out um, who Jesus was at all. After spending three years, they go, Jesus, show us the Father. And he's like, come on. How long have you been hanging out with me? See, they kept blowing it, but they eventually got it. And, and we need to realize that, that they were called to fish and that we are called to fish. And this may be new for some of you, may be strange for some of you, may be offensive for some of you, may be scary for some of you, may be uh, annoying, it may be obtrusive, it may be, uh, seem pushy. But realize that when he calls us to follow him, his goal is not for you to simply to become something better. When he calls you to follow him, he's calling you to cast the line just like the line was cast for you. That story in Mark where they just get up and walk away seems like it was kind of um, irresponsible. Well, there's actually more to that story. And uh, in John, you get to see the back, the prequel to that story. John tells us that they had already met. So let's take a look at that in John chapter 1, verse 35. It says, the next day, John, that's John the Baptist or the baptizer, was there again with two of his disciples, that's Andrew and some other guy who's not named. Uh, When he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, it's the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Uh, Looking around or turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, uh, what do you want? Now he knew, it's a rhetorical question. And and they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, he says, uh, they said, where are you staying? And Jesus said, well... (laughs) Come and see. Come and find out. So they went and they saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. They spent the whole day. And it was about the 10th hour. That means late at night. They had been hanging out with Jesus all day. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Now, this is interesting because there are two guys that decided to go spend the day with Jesus. There were two guys that were hanging out with Jesus, but only one guy has a name. His name is Andrew, and we're going to find out he becomes one of the 12 disciples. But what's interesting is that that other guy is not mentioned at all. And I got to thinking, you know, there are a lot of people that hang out with Jesus and they don't follow him. There's a lot of people that hang out at church and they don't follow him. There's a lot of people that got the religion and like what Jesus provides as a human being, as a person, as God, but they don't follow him. And this guy's never mentioned again. In fact, he doesn't become a follower, but he is a guy who likes to hang out. Maybe you're a guy like that. Maybe you're a guy like that. Maybe you're a person who likes to hang out with Jesus, hang out at church and do church things, but you haven't truly followed Jesus yet. Verse 41, it says, the first thing Andrew did the very first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, whose name is Peter, and tell him all about Jesus. So the first thing he did was he went and fished for his bro. And he says, he says, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. Christ means Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, son of John. You're going to be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter, which means stone. He says, you're going to be a stone. You're going to be part of the big picture of what I have for the kingdom. Andrew meets Jesus. Andrew introduces his brother to Jesus. And then, unfortunately, they go back to life as usual. They went right back to work. I mean, think about it. Some of you guys... You've been to a retreat, a camp, a conference, Sunday morning service, and then you've bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. You said yes to Christ. You've chosen to follow him, but it's back to work on Monday morning, right? Uh, it's, it's back to the grind, and, and you're wondering, did it really happen? Was there anything that, that was, 
was important, was invaluable, was, I mean, it, it just seemed so normal, so mundane just to go back to work. Well, that's exactly what they did. They went right back to work. They went back to fishing their nets. And that's where Mark and Luke walks in. While they were fishing, while they were at work, Jesus shows up at work. I love this. Everything's normal until Jesus shows up at work. Jesus wants to show up at your work. He wants to show up at your house. So Jesus shows up. Luke 5 tells that story, and you can read it on your own if you want. Uh, Peter and Andrew, they're at work. They had been fishing all night long. Uh, They didn't catch anything. They got bills to pay. They got employees to pay. They got to keep the lights on. Uh, They got family to feed. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. Uh, he walks along the shoreline and Peter and Andrew, uh, they're, they're cleaning their nets. They're, that means they're, they're ending the day. They're cleaning their nets. They're cleaning their tools. They're done for the day uh, because they, they fish early, early, early morning when it's still dark outside. Because as soon as the sun comes up, the fish uh, disperse. So, so they, were, they were done. It was early morning and they were done. They didn't catch anything. And uh, Jesus is on uh, his early preaching tour. So he walks up to Peter and says, hey, Peter, can I use your boat to preach? So Peter's like, sure. You know, so he gets out on this boat and he preaches, you know, and the crowds are there. And and afterwards, after he speaks, uh, he says, hey, Peter, let's go fishing. Peter's like, man, you don't understand. I didn't catch anything. <laughs> it's too late in the day, and uh, they're just not biting today. There's, there's nothing out there today. And Jesus says, um, well, trust me. So he goes out there, and there's nothing. And Jesus says, you know what? Why don't you cast the net on the other side? Why don't you try it a different way? Try it my way. So he casts the net on the other side, and before you know it, that net is just loaded and packed. In fact, the Bible says it was so filled with fish that it nearly ripped the net and it took the whole crew of men on the boat to get that net and the fish back onto that boat. And Jesus blew him away. And it was with the context of that experience that Jesus said, follow me and you're going to catch people. If you throw your net on the other side of life with me, if you walk with me, if you will move out of this boat, if you will move and step across this shoreline, across this beach, and if you will move across the room, if you will follow me, you will fish, you will catch people. And, you know, honestly, if I were them, I don't think I would even understand what he was talking about. Fish for people? (laughs) Yeah, cool, whatever. You just caught a thousand fish! I'm in! That was awesome. You know, it's like catching fish, people, whatever. Yeah. I don't think they really grasped it. And I don't think anybody here said yes to Jesus because you were ready to follow, uh, the, you, because you were ready to fish for people. You know, I, and, I, and I think that's just a part of growing in Christ. It, a lot of times we, we, we don't give our life to Christ to, to fish for people. But let me explain this to you, that as you grow in Christ... Our selfish becomes go fish. You see, when we follow Christ, we usually follow just like they did. Whoa, that's awesome. Because of what God has done in us, because of what we've experienced or what he's doing in our life or, or how he's making us change and, and how he's setting us free or healing us. There are reasons why we follow Christ, but there comes a point when we grow up where as we continue to follow, we understand just like those disciples that we, when we grow, we go from selfish to go fish. And some of you are still selfish. And God is calling you to go fish. Now, I did have multiple fish that I wanted at this point to fly around the room. All I have is this poor, poor, too heavy. uh, You know, I could probably take some of the weight off that thing and get that thing up in the air. But it would probably just like the shark. But I do want to talk to you about some fishy followers. Uh, these are some thoughts that I came to mind. Um, people that are still selfish followers, fishy followers, uh, that never grow up types of Christians. Um, first, there's the clownfish. You already saw that. Uh, this is the Christian that thinks everything's a joke. 
This is the Christian that, that only wants to have a good time, that only focuses on things that make them happy, that bring them pleasure, uh, that, that focus on entertainment. Uh, all they want is me, 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 serve, serve, me, me, serve me, not serving you. It's whatever I want. You know, when I come to church, I don't want to volunteer. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to go to an outreach. I don't want to do anything because it's all about the pleasure. It's all about the fun. Uh, it's all about having a good time. Don't require or ask me to do anything. That's the clownfish. That's the clownfish follower. And then there's the shark right up there, sucked to a vent. That's what it is. You see, the, the shark follower, the shark Christian is the one that's harsh, condemning, judgmental, argues and attacks and is aggressive. They're the guys out on the corners just screaming at people. They're the, they're the, they're the ones that give the Christians the bad names as being harsh and mean and judgmental. They're, they're the sharks. They're, the, they're just aggressive. You know, they're just a little, sometimes they're loving, but still aggressive. You know, they're out there because they love people or they're, you know, they're the guy at work that you're like, man, don't even get him started because he's all over the place. You know, they're just ready to attack all the time. And then there's the Christians that I would call the large mouse, uh, large mouth bass. I actually had a third inflatable remote control fish. It's right over there. And I think I'm going to give it away to somebody. Uh, and it's pretty cool. Uh, it's fully self-contained. It's, it's pretty sharp. This large mouth bass, you know what that represents? That represents basically the guy who's a know-it-all or the gal that's a know-it-all. This is the intellectual, the big mouth. Uh, the thing about the bass is that they're strong, but they're slow. They're slow to move. So when you think of the Christian that's a big mouth bass, it's the guy that knows the Bible forward and backward. It's the girl that, that knows all the answers to all the Bible trivia questions. It's, it's the person who knows all the verses and, and knows how to explain theology, but they never have in their entire life moved out of their comfort zone to talk to someone about Jesus. They're slow to move, but they are strong in their knowledge. And then there's the jellyfish. The jellyfish is where the, the Christian's like, everybody's okay. Everybody's cool. Everybody's fine. God wouldn't hurt anybody. God wouldn't judge anybody. God wouldn't condemn anybody. There's that sense that the jellyfish is someone who says, you know, you know God will figure it all out. God will figure it out. You know, we're all cool. We just need to love each other. Just kind of, you know, just cool. You know, the, the jellyfish Christians, there's a lot of them. They're the people that feel like, you know what? I, I don't feel like it's appropriate to talk about my faith. God will figure it out. And, and you know, I think we're just here to love and care for people because it's all just going with the flow and being good and being nice and being loving. That's the jellyfish. And uh, another kind of follower is the catfish. And this is kind of where a lot of people are. See, this is where most people are because the catfish, there's probably more species of catfish almost than any other place on the planet. I mean, a, a fish on the planet, they're all over the world. They come in all kinds of sizes and they can get extremely large. Uh, some of the catfish are some of the largest fish, uh, the uh, lake fish that you ever see. One thing in common about all catfish is that they like to hide. They lie around on the bottom and they eat everything. See, the catfish is the Christian that says somebody else will do it. I just want to be fed. I just want to eat. And you become fat, you become big, and you just sit around and you hide. And when it comes to sharing your faith, no, 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 no. I'll just hang here down on the bottom where nobody can see me. And I think that's where a lot of Christians are. And at some point, we grow beyond our selfish and become a go fish. What starts in shallow, bless me, water, becomes deeper as you begin to fish because all the good fish, all the big fish, all the, the fish that God has called us to reach, the big fish are in the deep waters. Here's the third thing you need to realize is that followers fish in the deep waters. When I say in the deep waters, this is what it means. It means when you understand that you are called to fish, then you begin to realize how deeply the world needs Jesus Christ. If you will open your eyes and you can see the heartache in people's families and people's homes, if you can see the poverty that is around the world, if, if you can see the injustice that is happening in our cities and around the world, if you could open your eyes off of yourself and look into the deep waters, 
you're going to find that there's a lot of deep issues, a lot of deep hurt, a lot of deep pain, things you never knew that existed before, the pain of others when our eyes are open. You see, Jesus, when he called his disciples, they ended up going places they never imagined they would go. Man, they ended up walking arm in arm with, with, with people that were ostracized by the community, people that were sick, people that had leprosy, people that were diseased, people that were outside of the city and had no friends and were destitute and alone. They found themselves sitting in the living room of, of tax collectors and sinners and people who culture despised and hated. They sat with thieves. They, they sat with murderers. They sat with prostitutes. They sat with some of the most deeply hurting people on the planet. Because when you follow Jesus, he takes you into the deep waters. And fish that are in the deep waters are looking for Jesus. Most of what we pray for our whole life revolves around our birth and our death. If we could imagine what we pray for and about, it usually is things that happen in this lifetime and very little to do with eternity. Jesus is saying, no, 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 go deeper. Go deeper. Our Heavenly Father has the potential to take all of our menial things that we seek after and give it eternal value for others. He positions you in someone else's life and uses your life to reach another. Uh, Your financial position, He'll use. Your lack of finances, He will use. Your marital position, whether you're married or single, He will use that. Whether you have children, no children, or can't have children, He will use that. Whether you work, don't like your work, quit your job, or we're fired, God will use that. He will use your life as a way to drop a line into people's life. God uses that. You might think, well, that's easy for you to say, Ted, because you're the preacher. Well, actually, you're better qualified than I am. You're better for it because you're not a preacher. You know, honestly, the second I tell people I'm a preacher, you know what people do? I go to church too. I'm a Christian too. You know, or they get defensive or they shut down. If, if it's someone who plays church, they immediately become everything that I want them to be, which is a fake. And then people that are angry with God, they, they begin to lash out at me and blame it on me. And then people who are totally disinterested and they basically shut down. See, you have an avenue into people's lives that I will never have. You will drop a line where I can never drop a line. And God is saying, you know what? You've got some deep waters that I can never dive into. You've got places where you might think, well, I don't see myself as a fisher of men. Others are better equipped. I don't have a good testimony or have better testimonies or my testimony's weird. You know, your story, remember we were all fish once, but here's the deal. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you. I will make you, Jesus said, a fisher of men. So instead of worrying about how you're unqualified or not good enough or not, you know, this or that, you know, God is saying, you know, just follow me. And as you grow from selfish to go fish, I will make, I will make you, I will make you, Jesus says, I will make you a fisher of men because followers fish. See, the mundane of life, our pains, our experiences, our travels, they bring significant eternal value to your life and to the life of others. Jesus can leverage what's in your life, your position at work, that place in your neighborhood, that, that opportunity in your community, that coaching role, that, that, that meeting, that, that liaison, that, that PTA, whatever. God places you there, places I could never go, places I will never reach. See, this goes beyond bless me and grow me and find a mate and prosper. You see, all those blessings, they're temporary, and they're not really the big picture. The big picture is that they are put in your life to bring people to know what is truly eternally valuable. Here's uh, three things that work in you when you fish, three things that are happening in you when you fish. Um, And this is kind of cool because uh, when the Holy Spirit uh, is using these three things, these three things bring significant life change to those people in your life. Here's what they are. Just as fishing requires uh, multiple uh, lures or different things to catch fish, this is the three things to catch people. The first one is this, the message. You got to know the message. You got to know how much God loves 
you and loves your friend, loves that neighbor, loves that coworker, loves that schoolmate, loves that family member. You gotta, you've got to believe that God loves them deeply and that Jesus came so that we could know and experience that love. You've got to understand that the message includes a great, great dilemma, a great problem. And, and that great problem in the message is that we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of God's love, of his glorious standards. And because of our sin, we're separated from that love and that purpose and that, that wonderful life with the creator. But the good news is this, that Jesus came to earth died on a cross for us, took our shame, took our sin, took our shackles, broke off of our life anyone who will receive the weight of sin so that we could once again be in relationship with God the Father. See, the message is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus and the forgiveness of sin. You must know the message. And how this brings a new life and how God gives grace to anyone who will bow the knee. There's no one too far beyond the reach of God. There's not a, you know, I've, I've led to Christ in my life some friends that I thought were the last on the list that would ever become a Christian. Because the arms of God are, are long enough to reach anybody. His love is deep enough to reach anybody. So you got to know that message. But for some of you, you've heard that growing up and it didn't matter to you. For some of you, you, you heard the message, uh, you've heard it a couple times and it didn't make any difference. It wasn't so much the message, but it was when the message met the right messenger. See, that's another element, the messenger. Something about their story, something about their life, their hope, their passions. The fact that they were an authentic follower of Christ combined with the message, it was powerful. See, some of you have heard the message, and it's been from some of the most hateful people. You've heard the message, but it's been some of the most confusing words you've ever heard and some of the most, uh, uh, you know, uh, words that have just added so much guilt and shame. But you see, when that message connects with the messenger and combines with the circumstances of their life, the three of those things produce something that the Holy Spirit uses to reach anybody. You see, the circumstances of their life together hit a nerve. Together, the message and the messenger and their current need, it showed how the message was relevant in their life. And, and all of a sudden, a light went off. Aha moment. And I'm now ready uh, because it met them where they were. You see, if the gospel doesn't meet them where they are, the message is ignored. And that's just the simple, plain truth. See, if you're going to be a good fisher of people, here's what you need to understand. You need to understand the message. You need to understand that your life as the messenger is just as important as the message or the message could be lost. And third, it's got to be relevant to their life. It's got to be something that meets them right where they are in their current circumstance. What we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is I'm going to unfold some of the difficult questions about leading someone to Christ. We're going to talk about different religions, different faiths. We're going to talk about cults. We're going to talk about uh, responses to atheism. We're going to talk about the whys and hows. Uh, But you need to understand that the, the message and the messenger and the relevance, how it connects to them in their current circumstances, hugely important. Think about it. Those who are Christ followers, those of you in this room, what did God use to bring you to Christ or back to Christ? Some of you are thinking maybe it was that person. Maybe it was that seed shown. Maybe it was that message that connected with me at the right time when I needed to hear it. It made a relevant, circumstantial, kind of important stamp on your heart. So many think it's just the message, shouting on a corner, you know, getting a television program or, or talking on the radio or, or being on TV or, or waving a banner at a football game or something. It's more than that. It's the message combined with the messenger combined with their, the impact of their current life experience. So great thing is God meets everyone where they're currently at. That's exactly what Jesus did. Remember when he showed up at their workplace? Peter and Andrew were working, and Jesus showed up at work and met them right at their point of need. You need fish? Let's get some fish. 
You need some hope? I'll give you hope. Jesus met them right where they were. The sad thing is, is most messengers are nutty, boring, fishy, or do not know how to bring into play how this great message applies to our life. And when the Holy Spirit, however, has all three, a line is dropped. And here's the fourth thing, and I want to end with this thought right here. And then we're going to worship. And uh, hopefully you guys are getting kind of challenged to kind of become actual fishers of people. Here's the fourth thing is that followers fish intentionally. Intentionally. That means you do it deliberately. That means you do it on purpose. That means you don't uh, just wander around. It's, It's like you are intentionally thinking about how you can drop a line Um, You can live out your Christian life trying to live a good life. You can live out trying to pray harder. You can read your Bible more. You can even work real hard to be a better person. But if you don't get this, if you don't understand that you've been called to fish, you will miss God's design for you because you were designed to fish on purpose. Let's look at our intentional purpose. And you guys have heard some of these verses before. I want us to kind of take a look at them again. We're laying a foundation for the next couple of weeks. Acts 1.8 says this. Jesus had just resurrected uh, from the grave. Uh, he had actually been uh, alive for 40 days since his resurrection, meeting off and on with the disciples. And in Acts chapter 1, he meets with them for the last time. And in verse chapter 8, he says, I want you guys to go back to the city and hang out there because uh, when you least expect it, there's going to be a moment when the Holy Spirit's going to fall on you and he's going to change your life radically forever. And this is what he said in Acts 1.8. He says, and when that happens, he says, you will be my witnesses. That means you will be someone who reflects my life. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's break it down. Acts 1.8 says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. I want you to write this down. These are intentional. That means that I must share with those in my world. That means you've been called to share with those in your world, those closest to you. You know, you have an assignment right now with God. You have an, Your neighbor is your assignment. God put you in that neighborhood for that neighbor. God let you get that job for that coworker. God put you in that class for that student next to you. God places you strategically, intentionally, on purpose in people's lives so that we can share the hope of Christ with those in our world. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have. You see, that is a direct reference to responding to people that know you and are asking what's up with you. You're intentional. The, a Gallup poll, that, that's a survey, 65 million Americans have no church home. Of those surveyed, 34 million said that they would go if they were just invited. And statistically, during the month of March leading up to Easter, 80% of people that are invited during the Easter season go to church. What if they say no? Well, some people say no. But you keep living for Christ and keep living for Jesus and keep loving on Him and keep being a good example. In fact, a survey among teenagers said that teenagers would rather talk about God and spirituality than sex, drugs, or music. I don't know if that's true, but that sure is interesting. He says, you'll be my witnesses. And then he says, in Judea and Samaria. That means I must dare to reach beyond my world. You see, Jerusalem was where they lived. So he said, I want you to talk to everybody in the area where you live. You've been called to share. And then he mentions two areas outside of their town, and that is Samaria and Judea. And both of these places had different significance. Judea was just the other side of town, and Samaria was another group of people that they didn't like. And basically, God is saying, you know what? We must dare to reach beyond 
our world. People who are different than us. People from different places than us. People that have different views than us. This is what we consider local missions. This is what we do when we consider, you know, the, the, uh, the Brandon Walk block parties. When we do that or when we have the ice cream social outreaches or when we do the clothing drives or when uh, some of you guys go downtown and you hand out food, you hand out donuts. I know some of you guys, you go and hand out coffee and you, you reach out to those in locals, some of you, we have, we have prison ministry. That's what this is about. It's about reaching out to those in Judea and Samaria, those who are different from you that are beyond your own realm of comfortable life. There are those that minister in prisons. There are those that minister in, in a women's shelters. This is, this is that place. And God says, you've been called to go there. You've been called to reach outside of your own little bubble. He says, you must dare to reach beyond your world. And here's the next one. He says, and to the ends of the earth. He says, he says you got to care. You got to care about the whole world. You have to share with those in your world. You have to dare to go beyond your world. And you have to care about the whole world. See, this is global missions. See, a follower of Christ has their eyes locally and globally. That's why we're going to Haiti. That's why we support missions in uh, Mexico. That's why we support missions in the Congo. That's why we, we, uh, we sponsor children from Compassion International and how we encourage you to do the same. Because in Mark 16, 15, it's very simple. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the nations. He said, go. That means move. You know, I've, I've heard it said that the first two letters of God are go and the first three letters of Satan are sat. And, uh, you know, who you want to be more like is up to you. If you sit around, you're going to be identifying yourself with someone. But if you decide to go and respond to what God has designed you to do, then you're going to move. You're going to go. You're going to reflect the image of God. You're going you're gonna to do something that is out of the ordinary, that is going to be a little uncomfortable. But as God has called us to share with those in our world, to, to dare to go beyond those in our world and to care about the whole world. This is what we are to intentionally, purposely be a part of. I want to show you this picture here. 6.6 billion people on earth. We're just right at the 7 billion people mark. And uh, these dots represent the number of people uh, where Christian populations are at. There are 6.6 billion people on the earth. There are 2.18 billion people who profess Christ. That's 32% of the entire world says that Christ is their Lord. 4.5 billion people are facing eternity without Jesus right now. In fact, 54 million people will die this year in the world. This year, 50 more people, 54 million people will die and face eternity without Jesus Christ. In fact, if you were to line up every lost person, they would wrap around the planet 34 times. We're called to be mindful, intentional, and deliberate. This is what it might look like if the world were a village of 100 people. What if the world were a village of 100 people? 51 people in the village would be boys... 49 would be girls. There would be 60 Asians, 14 Africans, 12 Europeans, 8 Latin Americans, 5 from the United States and Canada, and 1 from the South Pacific. The village would have 18 cars, 33 villagers would own cell phones, and one would be dying of starvation. 30 villagers would be unemployed. 53 villagers would live on less than $2 a day. 80 would live in substandard housing. 24 wouldn't have any electricity. 33 would be able to read. And 16 people would have access to the internet. If the world were a village of 100 people, God still would have sent his son to die for them. And he'd love each and every one of them all the same with the same endless depth, the same passion, the same grace. All 100 will need Jesus. 33 will know Him as 
said that? Is it you? What a challenge. If the world were a village of 100 people, only one person would be fishing for people. Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's time that we, we move. It's time that we embrace our purpose, embrace why we are breathing air. See, we have two reasons to live, and that is to know Him and to make Him known. It's just that simple. It is that simple. What's the meaning of life? To know him and make him known. And some of you, you've never made him known. You've never told a soul. It it blows my mind that a person can be a Christian their entire life and never, ever lead someone to, to the feet of Jesus. It's a shame. And I'm not here to to make you feel bad, but I'm here to challenge you that the Holy Spirit would stir inside of every follower of Christ. How in the world did 12 people within 200 years turn the Christian population into 2 million? How within 20 years was it hundreds of thousands without technology, without Twitter, without Facebook, and without social media, without electricity, without phones. How? Because we used our mouth. We used our actions. We used our love. How did they do it? Because they moved. They actually took the responsibility upon themselves and understood that God had called them to fish for people. I want to challenge you, Christian. Move. And if you're not a Christian, I challenge you. Let us help You understand why we feel so strongly about this. And some of you here, you might think, well, that's exactly why I don't like Christians. Because they try to push their faith on people. Let me say something. We don't think we're better. We just think we're better off than we were before Christ. My love for others and the urgency of life compels me to tell. Compels me to fish. And you might think, well, we, 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 why can't people just believe what they want to believe? Why can't people just, you know, God will figure it all out. They all lead to the same place. That's what we're going to talk about next week. I don't want you to miss that. So I want to give you some homework as we close it up. And uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk up to 10 people and tell them God loves you and so do I. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> just kidding. You're like, what? That's weird. Uh, here's what I want you to do. Real simple is number one, I want you to, to, it'll take 10 minutes, I want you to write a letter to the person who introduced you to Christ. I gave this illustration about five years ago, and, and, and I don't know if any of you guys ever did it, but I want you to take the time to write down, to write a letter to the person that introduced you to Christ, if you are a follower of Christ. Uh, because, the reason is it will remind you that you were once fished for. It will remind you that someone moved, that someone did something to drop a line for you. Uh, I did this a while back and I found the letter and I want to read that for you in a second. Someone was bold enough to, to hand you a book. Someone was bold enough to invite you to coffee. Someone was bold enough to give you a CD or someone was bold enough to invite you to church or, or someone was, was it bold enough to take you out to dinner. Um, whatever it is, somebody took a risk. Somebody moved and somebody dropped a line. Uh, if they did not fish for us, many of us would still be out there wandering hopelessly in life, trying to figure out what we're here for. Here's the second homework assignment. They're both in your worship guide. Is write down five names of people that you will pray for this month and that you will pray that God will give you an opportunity to invite them to church or an opportunity to talk to them. Just pray for five people that you know that don't know Christ that you want to talk to and pray for them and uh, invite them. Remember the message combined with the messenger combined with their current circumstances where the Holy Spirit works most powerful. So I want to finish by reading this letter. This is the letter that I wrote to the person responsible for my walk with God. Trying to write a letter to the person who introduced me to Christ is like trying to tell you where I filled my car up with gas this year. Uh, I was not sure who I would write to. 
I think about my grandmother who lived a Christian life through the most difficult times of her life. As a boy, I can remember she told me of the love of God and the hope of heaven. I especially remember her telling me about Jesus Christ while sitting at her table when I was seven. She told me about the cross and the empty tomb, and then she gave me a little cartoon track. And after she left, I read it and got down on my knees in her little house in Mansfield, Ohio, and I prayed. I didn't really understand it, but I knew that I wanted Jesus in my heart. Years passed. I grew up, and I did not... Uh, follow up with my walk with Christ. I did not walk with Jesus, but she never gave up on me and my family. She now rejoices with Jesus in heaven for her daughter. My mother is in heaven with her. The seeds of Jesus she showed in our life have been growing. I also think about my friend from school when I was 12 who talked to me about Jesus and invited me to his church. He sparked in me an interest to know and to have what he had, and that is a relationship with Christ. I also think about Pastor Lee Lebsack, who during Easter of 1982 was instrumental in my family. We began finally attending church in South Bend, Indiana that spring. And a few weeks later, on a Sunday morning, during your invitation, Pastor Lebsack, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was 13, but even as a teenager, I knew there was something more for my life than this. But when I think about the greatest turning point in my walk with God and the person who introduced me to a real understanding of a relationship with God, I think of you, the first youth pastor I truly looked up to, Gary Marone. You taught me about living for Christ in the good and in the difficult times. You showed me how to worship and how to lead worship. Through your words, actions, and heart, you showed me what a fired-up follower of Christ looks like. You modeled how a Christian family could be. Through your integrity and humility, I saw someone I looked up to and wanted to be like you. Helped me to understand the will of God for my life and challenged me to give everything I have to Christ, including my future. I will never forget the night during youth service when you pointed it, pointed at me and you called me by name and you challenged me to live for Jesus with all that I have within me. Because of your influence, I am standing here today in ministry serving Jesus Christ. It was under your care and guidance that I truly became a truly devoted follower of Christ. Thank you, Grandma. Thank you to my friend. Thank you, Pastor Lipsack. And thank you, Gary Maroon, for investing in me, reaching out to me, and fishing for me. I don't know where you are, where some of you are right now, but I know where I am because of you. I want to challenge you. Someday, 30 years from now, Somebody might be writing a letter to you. If you'll just move. If you'll just move. Father, shake us up inside. God, I pray that you would help us to to move beyond the selfish, all those fishy followers, God, those kind of selfish motives, lazy motives. God, help us to move. God, move us by your spirit first. And God, give us the courage to stand and to move. God, we love you so much. As we uh, stand and worship right now, we're going to worship God right now. I want us all stand. And uh, Sean's going to come and he's going to pray for our uh, offering real quick. And then we're going to have a time of worship and, and praise. And if you're here today and you say, you know what? I, I don't know if I am a follower of Christ. And as we worship God here in a moment, will you just call out to him and talk to him and just say, Jesus, here's my heart. Here's my life. Forgive me of my sins. I, I receive you and I will follow you. But know that when you follow, it means that you will fish. Father, thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.